0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Outside the Lions podcast. Before we get into anything in our great interview with Craig Brackens, as always, we are presented by BNC Fieldhouse. You know, if you're in Ames, there's no better place to watch the game, have a great beer, burger, food, anything. And as always, got to support our boy, Ben. So make sure to head down to AJ's, BNC Fieldhouse, Mickey's for the best time on Welch Ave and the best drink deals. And with that, let's hop into our interview with Craig Brackens.
1: All right. Welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest, our first basketball player. That's right. We're finally transitioning from football season to basketball season. And we have none other than first team, all big 12 first round pick for the OKC Thunder, 21st overall. He wears number 21, Craig Brackens. Thank you so much for joining us today, Craig. And honestly, I got to talk about that right from the get-go. So when you got drafted um, 21 overall, one of the reporters asked you, did that mean anything for you to be drafted 21? And you just said, you know, I didn't even think about it until just right now. And that was one of my questions that I had for you. Did it, was it cool getting drafted 21 overall? Or was that just some stupid facade that people like me and the rest of the media like to try and make a story out of, or was it, did it actually mean something pretty special to you?
2: I mean, it, it was cool to think about it after, uh, to be honest, I didn't even put two and two together um, just to be drafted. You know, it's just one of those things um, in that moment. I just can't even explain the feeling, but then I realized I was like, why wow, I, I wear 21 and went 21. I was like, huh, what a coincidence. So, um, it was super cool, man, to have the people that I had there, um, teammates, um, friends, family. So just an awesome experience, man.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Well, you're the first, first round pick we had had since Jamal Tinsley. So I think that was like a, almost a 10 year gap, but one thing that I'm not necessarily saying you're LeBron James, but it's very similar to LeBron and (laughs) (laughs) hear me out, hear me out in a sense that I feel like you can, play so many different sides of the ball. Like, uh, you know, if you're bringing the ball up the court, I always felt comfortable. I never had any issue with that. And for most power forwards, and you even played, you know, you could post anyone up and you would still have like a lot of success down low. That's such like a rare thing to have pretty much a skill on almost any side of the court or any you know part of the court. How did you kind of develop yourself into an athlete that can play really any sort of position on the court that you wanted to?
2: Well, um, it started from, you know, probably prep school where it was a situation of like, I didn't really have a skill set of like, I'm going to do this and do that. It was like, where can I have an advantage? And it was, I just had great coaches around me from prep school on until Iowa state where they were just like, look, if this is your advantage, this is your advantage. We're going to work on this. We're going to work on that. So they never, uh, put any limitations on me to, uh, to just do a certain thing. It was just like, Hey, try this, try that. And I just adapt and, and, and got comfortable with doing a little bit of everything and it kind of helped me out.
1: Yeah, certainly did. I mean, you became completely dominant just everywhere on the court. And I'm, I'm, I'm jumping, I'm jumping to so many questions just cause I'm just getting so eager, but my goodness, that game, I think it was 2009 Hilton Coliseum versus Kansas. You drop Mm -hmm. 42 points and then we still ended up losing 82 to 67 on a loss like that you know, how, how was it? You're just kind of like, guys, come on, I'm dropping 42 points and you guys are granting me 25. Was there a little bit of like locker room banter after that? Like, come on guys. <laughs> it was,
2: it was more of just loss. I mean, it didn't matter if I had, you know, 12 points or 42 points. It was just the loss, you know, the, the fight that we had the, the energy in Hilton that day. I mean, still to this day, I could feel the vibrations of the crowd screaming and, um, it was such a hard fought game to just lose. Like that was the, you know, that's the Hilton magic that everybody talks about that that should have happened. We should have beat Kansas and stormed the floor probably, you know what I mean? And it was just, it was, it was a tough game. Um, you know, it wasn't just me. I mean, Sharon Collins, which was a, a friend of mine and I talked to him randomly on Instagram. We'll, we'll go back and forth about some stuff. And, uh, I mean, he had such a great game. That team was so stacked and, uh, it's just one of those things that's college basketball, man. You know, it's just you could do everything you can and you'll still end up with a loss, or you know, it's just not enough. So um I didn't even realize what I had, honestly, to be honest. I was just out there trying to win
0: that game. Yeah. Good stuff. Speaking of Iowa State, what what kind of brought you to Iowa State? What um how'd like um, McDermott sell you on the school? You know, coming from like California and stuff, coming to Iowa, it's yeah. a pretty Pretty big uh change in just like, you know, culture and you know, environment stuff. What, what was kind of yeah. your your selection process? Well, a lot of what people don't
2: uh what people didn't realize is uh when I first had my when I first played for my big AAU team, uh pump and run, um TJ Alzeberger was my coach. And uh in and, and and when I first started AAU and I really wasn't even that good. So we we kept a connection of just knowing each other from being my old coach. And uh when he got the Iowa State job, we we kind of stayed in contact and he gave me a heads up that, um, McDermott, who's coach is going to recruit me. But to be honest, TJ didn't even want me to go to Iowa state because he didn't want me to choose Iowa state because of him. But, um, I went on a I uh, I went on a visit and, uh, went to a football game and it's hilarious. Cause I'll never forget. I went to throw something away by the student section and there was a kid that was like Craig Braggins. And I was like looking at him like, uh, okay. Yeah. And then the whole crowd started chanting my name. We won Brackens. And I was just like, what is going on? And that just like blew my mind. I've never experienced anything like that. For someone to just see me and like know who I was, had the whole crowd chant. And I was like, you know what? This is this is a special place. Like, I like this. That
1: is cool. I remember when... um Corey Lucius came to visit. I have no idea what game it was. It honestly might've been Kansas the year before he committed to Iowa state. He was just there to, you know, check out a game. And we Mm -hmm. ended up losing the game, Um, played a really close game that I'm almost positive. It was Kansas. It it usually Mm -hmm. tends to be, but during that game, I was just watching, you know, just peeking over at him in the stands and any sort of big play, he was jumping up and down and like, you know, just like chest pounding with all the student sections. And mm-hmm. you can just tell that he was just really feeling the environment. And it's, it is pretty crazy. I mean, we're we're diehard at, at Iowa State. And when we see someone that, you know, we really want to come to the school, we, we have no problem telling them. <laughs> yeah,
2: people don't know how far that, that that goes a long way. You feel so comfortable. And you know, and it's a lot of things like people talk about coming from California to Iowa. Well, I went to prep school in Chicago for a year. And then I went to prep school in New Hampshire. So like being in a cold environment, being in a, you know, from California in a small play, that never really bothered me. I I endured that, you know, two years before. So um, that love, like you can't, you, there's, you can't describe it. You can't, you know, take away from it. It's, it's, it's unmatched. Like it really is. Yeah.
1: So w- with Cyclone Nation, that's, that was one thing that you mentioned before and you just said, I, I always try and, you know, seize every opportunity I can to tell people this is the best fan base in the nation. And it's really hard to kind of describe the energy of Hilton Coliseum. And honestly, just like the, uh, the diehard fan base that we are to people that are, you know, not from the state of Iowa. You know, I have plenty of friends that aren't from that didn't grow up in Iowa and they were like, yeah, I've I heard Iowa state's great, but what makes it so great? Now as a fan, I can say we're diehard, everything we will, support you whether we're winning or losing and and, you know i have my own perspective as a fan but what is your favorite thing about cyclone nation you know that you saw when you immediately came to iowa state
2: uh man so (laughs) so many things um i think one thing is that um it doesn't matter what it is, Iowa State, they're going to support. I mean, they could have. They could tell you, hey, it's Iowa State versus, you know, whoever. It's a thumb wrestling competition. Oh, they're going to pack it out. You know what I mean? Like, they, <laughs> they don't care. It's like, we're going to support it. It's Iowa State. We're there. Um, there was a game. I don't know who we played. Maybe Drake. It was a huge snowstorm. And I'm like, no, like, I barely got there to the game. And I don't live far from, you know, Hilton Coliseum. And I'm like, man, we're going to have nobody in here. This is going to be bad. Drake was a great team uh, when I was at Iowa State, so it was going to be a tough game. And at I would say the first half, I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, this is is not the energy. Like, man, we go to halftime, we come out, the place just doubled because it took people so long to get there. And I went there and I was like, and they were rowdy. And that second half, I want to say we won because of that, or we lost at the buzz, something crazy. It was a crazy game, but the energy just flip-flopped. And I was just like, they were nothing was going to stop them from coming to the game, like nothing. And that was one of those things where it's like, come on, man, like snowstorm. They look outside. You know, most people, oh, we're not going to the game. No, nah, they're not stopping. They don't care.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I've never I, I don't I wish I knew a game that was because that is a wild story. I,
2: I want to say it was, it was, I know it was during, I re, I just remember a huge snowstorm because I barely made it. I was late to the arena because it, you had to drive literally five miles per hour. You know how those, those ones yeah. go.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. Love Iowa. So much fun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I,
0: I mean, you said that TJ was your AAU coach. He's obviously now the head coach at Iowa State. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think has allowed him to you know, hit the ground running with the success he's had here in year one, like, you know, I'd be surprised if you pulled any Iowa State fan at the start of the year and and expected anywhere near this kind of like great basketball being played so early on from this group, like, you know, is it just kind of talk about your experience? I mean, you've seen him firsthand and at a totally different level that I think is like helped him develop as a coach too, to now have success as well. Right. Um, T- TJ,
2: he's he's one of those guys can get he can he can get so much out of somebody and uh, he just has so much faith and he believes in you. And that's all he expects from you. He, he doesn't care about a mistake. He doesn't care, uh, you know, about any of that stuff. It's just what, what can you give me? Because I'm going to give you 100 percent, a thousand percent. His energy is unmatched as a as a as a person, as a coach. And, you know, he was a great recruiter. He can he can talk to you. And just, just understand, you know, anything, everything he recruited me, he recruited Deontay Garrett, Lucas Steiger, you know, like all these guys from different places. And he, he just has this way of just capturing you and you just wanted, you'll give anything for him. And, you know, I've been watching this year. I, I've watched him. He was in South Dakota, Watched when He was in UNLV and he always can get these guys. You You may not know them. They may not have a big name or they do. It doesn't matter. But when they're on that court, they give a hundred percent and it's and it's his energy it basically it replicates him on the court like he's 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 just that guy it's It's unbelievable how he can do that time and time after again
0: it's okay been so extremely impressive like i I've ached like kind of crow a little bit on this year i I did not expect them to to be as like, it's just like the energy and, and, you know, like this team grinds out on the defensive end and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. so impressive. I, I love it. And it's like, it keeps us in a game when the offense is, you know, can be struggling or, or you know, just having an off night. And it's, it's yep. crazy how they just absolutely make you work for every single bucket on that defensive end. Everything. Everything. He, he's one of those guys, like,
2: I remember in practice, as in, he was the assistant coach and, he'll you know start talking about a defensive drill and you know if we don't look like we have energy he'll he'll end up doing the drill and show you how to do it diving on the ground and we just be like oh okay let's all right tj here we go you know what i mean and i know he's doing that as a head coach like there i i just know it i I know him i've talked to him this year and congratulate him on what's going on and he's so humble where it's like it's not like he's like oh man it's just like hey one day at a time we just got to keep grinding you know it's not easy and It's, it's never enough. It's always a, Hey, we can always get better. Hey, it's always a grind. It's, it's one day at a time. And that's, that's how, that's who he is.
1: That process mentality. Yep. Love the process mentality. Um, I'm going to share my screen super quick because I just need to get your opinion on, uh, on, on TJ. If it'll allow me to share my screen. You, can you guys see it at all? Nope. Mm, Well, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I eventually get to share my screen, I'll try and pull it up. But there's this picture floating around the internet, essentially of TJ um, just mean mugging like crazy. And the funniest part of the picture was the score. There's 45 seconds left in the second half against Iowa is 72 51. And he just has his hands on his hips and he's just mean mugging. He's just so pissed off. You can tell he's not happy with mm-hmm. just that win with just a 20 point beat down against Iowa And so, is that kind of just his demeanor? Like he's never going to be satisfied. He always is going to want more.
2: It's all he always wants more. There's always room to to get more. There's always room to improve, and that's just who he is. I mean, he it's never enough. I mean, an example of you know me, like my sophomore year. That's that sophomore year was a lot of obviously you know I worked hard, but it was tj never it was never enough like there was i'd have some games and he'd just be like okay you you had you know 18 rebounds why you didn't get 20 and i'd be like you're right he's like "You, you didn't work you could have pushed for two more he's like it's not that hard and i'm like you're right he he never he never let me feel like okay you yeah there you go that's enough he would post something he used to have it in my locker room. He had it in my house. It was like, okay, you had you know this, and then look what Blake Griffin did. Look what you know these guys did. These are the top guys in the league. Like, you're it's not enough. Like, you still got to chase these guys. There's someone better than you, and I should just be like, oh my gosh, like, all right, it's not enough, and I just keep on going, keep on going. And that he just that hunger, like to just be top to see, like, oh, he did this. I got I got to go after him. And it was more of a the competitive side, and it's, it just he man, he brought it out of me, honestly, especially with, you know, the years I was there, so many guys, you know, I had five to six, maybe more, I would say five or more guys transfer every year. So I had a new team every year I played at Iowa State.
1: I didn't even notice that. Do you ever kind of feel bad for, uh, you know, Coach McDermott for going 0-2 against Iowa State and especially losing to TJ?
2: (laughs) Feel bad? No. I like it. I like the competition. You know, I, I, I knew it was going to be fun. You know, I it was one of those things like I, I watched the I didn't get to watch the game because I'm way out here, but uh, I watched the highlights mm-hmm. and I, I watch as many as possible. And my favorite thing to do is even now just being older and watching games. I watch benches and I watch coaches react to a certain situations And to see McDermott <laughs> doing his little antics, it just reminds me of being back in college. Like and then to see TJ and just knowing like they're they're both competitive. And I mean, TJ learned from McDermott and learned from so many great coaches and, and just, I know it felt good. I know it hurt. And then vice versa, if Iowa State would have lost, I know it would have hurt, but I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. I didn't care who won. I just wanted to see a great battle. Obviously I cared Iowa State won, but as far as coaching wise, you know, they're both my guys Mm -hmm. and you know, it's just, it's just great to see them on that level battling against each other. So.
1: I love it. I, I was a little cynical. When, when we beat Coach McDermott, I'm like, oh, that feels really good.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. Of course. But, you know, I at this end of the day, I, there's no like McDermott or TJ. They're both my guys, obviously. So, you know, it's one of those things like great competition. It's just the fact that TJ has the upper hand because he's coaching Iowa
0: State. <laughs> so that's who I'm going for. <laughs> love it. Love it. I think that kind of breakup, too, has worked for both parties. You know, we obviously went our separate ways with the McDermott and we got to have the Hoyberg area oh, era, yeah. which was so much fun. That's when I was at school for it was, was all Hoiberg. Um, and so Hilton was always a blast and, and everything oh, yeah. like that. And then obviously it's, it's led to TJ time too. So I, uh, I feel like it's, it's um, it's been a healthy thing for, for both programs to kind of uh, you know, kind of have what happened. Oh yeah. I, I know as a, as a head coach, you always want your, assistants
2: to to branch off and, and do well you know what I mean it's always one of those things so whenever you can have an assistant you know if, if I ever coach and I have assistants you know you you always want those guys to see them to to be able to battle against them you know it's one of those things like you know I'm sure they were talking about it after texting you know obviously probably not before because they're competitive but you know you, you you would want that. I would love to say me and, uh, you know, Deontay Garrett are coaches one day and go against each other. Like, Oh my God, I'd love that. You know what I mean? Just old teammates or something like that. Just battling. And it's just one of those things. Like you just want people to do great.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially when it's, it's someone who, you know, was underneath you or or working alongside you and, you know, McDermott picks his assistant. So it's like he's picking you for a reason and like he wants you to be a part of his staff. So I, I, it would be shocking to, you know, think, anything else with that, you know, that's got to be really cool It's just as like a friend and a colleague to, to be able to see them like develop like that. And, you know, you have a a big sort of, you know, um, in that or like, you know, influence on it. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, even, even, I don't know
2: if his assistants now at Creighton, any of them, I think TJ knows some of them, but also, you know, um, uh, coach Danielle Robinson is, was with, uh, with uh, McDermott and TJ at the same time. And now he's under TJ. So it's one of those things like you got different staff. People used to work with each other, know each other like that That had to be awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Just it's, it's fun. That's, that's, it's called competition. It's, it's just fun. I like that. I love every, every bit of that.
1: So Craig, when you first, you know, left Iowa state, I, I don't know exactly how many, but it felt like you we with six different organizations in, in like two years. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my dad actually heard that, you know, we were meeting and, and he was like, you gotta ask what's life like, you know, on the road as a pro athlete. I'm like, well, Craig is, you know, he's been on the road for sure. So kind of how was that transition coming out of college? And especially with your movement, I mean, how did you, how did you even stay sane during that?
2: <laughs> it was tough, man. I went through a lot, you know, they say you go through so much a rookie year. And, uh, I mean, I, I think I, one thing that opened my eyes the most and it had nothing to do with basketball was the business side of the NBA. And that's oh, yeah. what I experienced out gate. So, you know, the, the draft, like you said, it's, it's 21st to, to, uh, OKC. Well, i I technically I was never drafted by OKC. I was, yeah, traded, that's what I saw. and it was new Orleans and, um, they, they traded the pick before. So when I think it was new Orleans drafted, uh, Cole Aldridge actually, um, that, was, that was doing the pick for New Orleans. They, they basically picked for each other. They called each other, picked for each other. So I was traded immediately. So I already knew I was never going to OKC. As soon as I got drafted, I got called and it was New Orleans. So a lot of people didn't know that. And then um, got introduced to the city, went to, uh, to New Orleans. Uh, I was out there, lived out there for about two months. And then um, the weekend before training camp was going to start, um, I was at practice stretching and I got called by the coach and the GM outside of practice. So I'm thinking I got in trouble, but I just moved there. So I'm like, wait, I don't, I don't do anything. So there's no way. So I, they're like, you know, I run out there and I'm like, Hey, what's up guys. And they're like, uh, and I'm like looking at them, like, yo, I feel like I'm at the principal's office. Like, what did I do? <laughs> and you know, the GM, he, I mean, like you said, it's just a business that he just kept it straight honest. He was just like, I mean, not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, We needed a backup point guard. We made a trade and uh, we sent you to Philly. And I was like, hey, I'm like, all right. And so he was like, all right, well, good luck. And he tapped me on the shoulder and walked off. And I was (laughs) like, whoa. And so the the head coach, which is Monty Williams, great guy. um, He sat there and he talked to me. He was like, hey, man, I just found out, you know, this morning, um, you know, this is the process. It's a business. You know, I'm glad you're figuring it out early. Um, I, I would have loved to have you. We needed a backup point guard. We had to make a decision. And I was like, I, I get it. And so he was like, you know, I wish you all the best. And if you need anything, you know, you got my number. And I'm like, all right. And right. I'm like, but wait, so like, do I finish practice? Like, wh- what do I do? <laughs> he was like, yeah. well, go back to your locker, you know, check your phone. I'm sure, you know, someone's calling you. And so when I go back to my locker, my agent blew me up. He just found out. He apologized to me. Um, Philly already called me. And so I just moved there. I literally got cable like three weeks ago in my, in my house and just got settled. And it was about what, about 945. I got home at like 1030 and I was on a flight to Philly at like 445. And that's how it went. I had to pack uh, like important things, a bag, and then they were going to move everything and send it to Philly in the next few weeks.
1: So that's all within 24 hours when you were, you know, heading to Philly. That was
2: yeah. I mean, all of that wow. right there was in from 9 30. I'm at practice to 445 from when I flew to Philly. All that oh
1: my gosh. When we spoke with Quentin Bundridge, he was telling a story about how I think it wasn't a trade scenario. It was he actually got let go off the team. But the coach, you know, he went to some like fundraiser event uh where, you know, I, I think he was like refing, you know, a, a junior football game, whatever you want to call it, like wee football. Wow. It took right. me a long time to get there. <laughs> and, um, and the coach came up to him and basically just said, listen, I'm going to get right to the point. Uh, we got to drop you. And, and he's just like, wow. And that was kind of, that's probably been a consistent story I've heard when it comes to, you know, playing professional ball, like they get straight to it. And I like to be massaged. I like, if you're going to deliver me bad news, tell me something you like about me first. And then I'll, you know, then I'll be more receptive to the bad news. Um, yep. it doesn't sound like that's the case though. In pro ball.
2: Oh no. Oh no. You're, you're, you're an item. You just got traded. You just got sold. Like you, you're, they, they, you're not their problem in that moment. You're not their problem right now. Like it, it has nothing to do with them. And I was like, what, what do I do in my place? Like I got stuff. And they're like, well, pack what yeah. you need. It'll be there. And you know, we'll move. They moved in like 10 days, packed all my stuff. They paid for it, everything. I'm just like, I get all that, but what do I do? Like, <laughs> I, I thought I was in new Orleans. Like what's going on? And, it's just one of those things like as a young kid, you know, it's they that's that's what they wanted. And for me, you know, going to Philly, it was awesome. Like, I love the Philly. I love the team. But I was battling a situation of the GM was uh, Rod Thorne. He was in New Jersey. He, the I, That was my last workout the day before the draft. He wanted me so bad and they didn't have a high enough pick. So he left New Jersey in the summer. And got the job in philly well his first idea was like well i'm gonna go get that young kid because philly only had one draft pick and it was uh, evan turner that year and they wanted somebody else but mm-hmm. i had to deal with a head coach that didn't want me hmm. so i'm battling a gm where i go and talk to him and he's like hey you're doing great don't worry about it but he can't control a coach to put me on the court
1: jeez I, I so, can't even imagine you know, going through that. It
2: it was it was tough, and you know a lot of it is it's you know situational. So like you know the way I play, like you talked about it earlier, the way I play, the way I, I played basketball is what people want now. It's gold now. If you can do that, if you're six ten, you can shoot, you can do everything. You're, you're 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 gold. Like they everybody wants that now. Well, when I played basketball, if you were a four man, you had to be big, strong, post up. If you were a three man, you had to be a ball handler, dribbling on the wing. Well. I didn't really. I wasn't the strongest guy, and I wasn't the best ball handler. But I could do everything, all those in between. So if he was big and slow, put me on the wing. I got him. If he was too small, I post him up. That's what I did. That's not Mm -hmm. what the game was. So I, there was no spot for me. So it was one of those things where you know some people say you know I was ahead of the game, and it just didn't work out. So, um, it was tough, man. I I fought. I fought a lot of things because I worked my butt off and it, a, a lot of it, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say a lot of it doesn't have to do with me, but I know I put everything into it. And there was a lot of things I couldn't control as far as how hard I worked and, you know, talent. Cause you know, all I knew was when you work hard, you get rewarded. Well, it didn't work like that.
1: Hmm. So when it comes to, um, I, I, I want to backpedal a little bit. So yeah. It it was reminiscent of when Scottie Pippen was drafted by, I don't even know who. I don't even know who Scottie Pippen was drafted by, but right after he got drafted, you know, a reporter said, So I heard the Bulls already trade for you. Have you, are you aware of that? And he's just like, Oh, really? I I didn't even know that. (laughs) So how does that process work? It it was, you said it was just like that, right when you got drafted, you know, you're thinking you're going to, um, oh, I'm losing the Thunder. Yeah, Oklahoma. Thank you. And then was it like literally within minutes? I, I guess I'm just curious how that process goes. Cause just watching that interview with Scotty Pippen, I mean, I would be the exact yeah. same way.
2: So for me, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy because I'm watching the draft. Obviously I think OKC picked Cole Aldrich's 10. And so I'm like, okay, you know, it's big 12. I'm happy for any big 12 guy. You know what I mean? And I know Cole. Yeah. So where I'm just like, nice. So I'm going over the draft and now a lot of my friends are being drafted. So I'm sending text messages, you know, Uh, calling certain guys, you know, like, oh man, congrats. They're like, thanks bro. You know, you're, you're coming next. Don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just excited, you know? And then I get a call probably the 18th pick and my agent calls me and he goes, Hey, and I go, what's up? (laughs) Like, what's going on? And he was like, uh, he was like, are you around anybody? I was like, no, I walked away for a second. What's up. He goes, okay. They're on the 18th pick. He said, I got a call. Um, OKC is going to pick you at 21. But it's to it's to New Orleans. So uh, congratulations. Like, uh, don't give it away. Uh, You know, I'm gonna call you in a little bit. Just, you know, hey, you did it. And I'm like, okay. So from pick the end of the pick from 18 until 21, I already knew where I was going. Mm -hmm. So I had to sit there like and I'm in this like trends of like, I don't even know what to do right now. Like, is this really going to happen? So it's one of those things where a lot of people don't know. But some of the picks, you you kind of already know before it happens. Like, you might get a heads up. And then there's twists where you, you might get a call and say, hey, you're going here. They might do a last minute. We can't do it. And then you got told you're going to get picked, and then you don't. So that's why, like, on the, the green rooms, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, on the floors, you'll see guys picking up phones. And then they're shaking their head, and they put the phone down. They're either told where they're going to get picked. Hey, they made a change. You're going to get picked later. So you see a lot of guys, like, looking weird. You're like, man, he looks little nervous or he looks scared or looks like he's about to throw up. Like he kind of knows where he's going. And it's a lot of that in there. And that's the small part of the business that people don't know. Like it's not just basketball, man. It changes. Like once you go from college and that love, it's a straight business. And that's what I tell a lot of these young guys now that have this NBA dream and all that. I'm like, "I, I, I know you should, you should always strive for that. But man, it's other things out there in life and it's cutthroat, man. It's not just, I work hard and you're going to get rewarded. You know, I'm not, I'm not doubting that for anybody, but you got to watch out for that business side too. And I try to tell the kids to learn that side first.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, so much of it goes on like organizational fit and just like, you know, like you said, you had a GM who loved you, but a coach who didn't really have as much of an interest in you and something like that, can you know especially in a you know nba like what are you doing for me now and you know it's like and if we're not seeing anything we're going to move on because there's plenty of other you know talent or or people out here it can be you know really really sort of frustrating um i I guess one thing that i thought was you know probably i mean you're very uh very rare to experience it like how is the lockout and dealing with that you know especially kind of when you're you're first in the league you know you're 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 still trying to figure shit out and then like oh hey like labor strike you know like good luck go go find a job <laughs> like kind of thing like yeah you know, how, how i how maneuver and all that it was
2: tough i mean the first thing i got told was hey the lockout might come and i'm like all right cool you know like maybe i can work on my game or maybe and the first thing they told me was like we don't know how long the lockout's going to go. So I don't know money-wise what's going to happen. And I'm like, huh? And they're like, yeah, the lockout could last a year, two years. And I'm like, uh, no, uh, no, 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 no paycheck, no nothing. Like, okay. Because, you know, you, you don't want to sit there and just burn money or just sit there. Like, you, you're scared because everyone talks about going broke. And all. so I'm nervous now. So I'm like, okay. They're like, yo, you can play overseas. And I'm like, uh, okay. So a lot of the young guys, first-year, second-year guys, jumped overseas. And I went to Israel and uh, played. And it was a shock because you go from NBA to another country to, you know, you, you worked one way how to play. And then they're trying to tell you this way how to play. And it, it was tough, man. That first couple years, you know, well, the, my only couple of years, it, it was just such a whirlwind, man. You just had to, you had to be who you are. Some guys stayed home and worked out and they trust the process of like, Hey, I'll be okay. Some guys got nervous and collected a check. Like, you know, I thought that was a smart thing to do and, and still play basketball. Um it, it was it it was a whirlwind, man, honestly. It was it was awesome because I got the experience um uh, Tel Aviv Israel. And I, I that's one of my favorite cities I've ever been in. So um great experience, great friends. Um, so I wouldn't take it away, but definitely mentally, man, really, really was tough.
0: So yeah, and like you- it's a Sorry.
1: No, go for it. Go for it. I was just it. to say, it,
0: it it's also just, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but it's, it's a different game. It's it's different coaches. Like how is sort of like transitioning to that? You know, you know, you already kind of mentioned a little bit that you thought you came in a little bit early into what is now like positionless fastball, where if you're mm-hmm. versatile, you can handle the ball, you can space the floor, you're like gold in the NBA nowadays. And so like how, I guess it's just kind of like, what are the changes you made to the game or, or what are the things that you notice? Um, like you obviously traveled and, and played in a, a, a bunch of different leagues. So like kind of how's, mm-hmm. how's it been adjusting? Like, I'm sure you're probably very good at adjusting. It's probably one of your yeah. best skills at this point Definitely of like, is. you know, hey, like <laughs> I can get thrown into an environment, a game and like really find success. Like, I guess it's just yeah. like, speaking on that, what, what, what allows you to do
2: that? I mean, just, you know, being older, you know what I mean? Um, Letting your ego go is a big thing. Um, You know, just analyzing. So a lot of things that I do now is I just analyze. What what does my team need? You know, where can I fill in the gaps? Um, Obviously, I know I can be me. Everybody knows I score. Everybody knows I'm versatile, post-up, three-point. It doesn't matter. But where's the gaps in that? Because I'm also – I'm a pretty good passer, so – Um, you know, like, do we need, you know, a facilitator, you know, do we need a rebounder? Do I have to, you know what I'm saying? A a vocal leader by example. So now being an older guy, you know, um, it's just more patience, more being patient and just analyzing what's going on, you know, almost like in a coaching sense, I feel like I'm like a coach. I, I break stuff down, I analyze it. And then I try to, you know, lead by example. So
1: So one thing I wanted to ask about, you said there was different styles of plays or style styles of play in these, you know, different countries that you've played in. What was the weirdest one? Like what was the weirdest um, tip or trick or piece of advice that a coach gave you when you were overseas that you're just like, what the hell are you talking about, man?
2: (laughs) Man, I don't think, I don't think there's enough time to even explain all that now. Um, Um, concepts concepts of what they think works you know what i mean so an example would be like i don't even know where i was i don't even want to put no you know no team or you know country of basketball out there but i had a coach that like tried to reinvent the the two three zone and it was the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard in my life and you know we you know you play basketball if you if you have like i i have I have have two kids. I have two sons now. My oldest is five. So if he's going to play basketball, you teach kids zone. Like, Hey, this is your area. This is what you do. It's the, it's like one of the first things you learn. Like you don't even have to know basketball. It's just the easiest thing you can tell kids to do. Stand here. This is your area. This dude was like this, if the ball goes here, we're going to switch, drop down, do that. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm like, it's just a zone. You get this area, I'll get this area. We'll talk about it simple. We had about an hour practice trying to understand zone. It's like three Americans and then all the countrymen playing and we're all going back and forth, just trying to understand. And we're looking at each other like, yo, I know we're not crazy. Like I'm not (laughs) trying to step on your toes. I'm not trying to you know, show you what to do, but bro, you're making this way too hard. And it's a, it's a power trip. It's an ego thing. When you get into other countries, it, it, you can't do it. It doesn't matter who you think you are, where you've played, what your name is. They will not listen to you.
1: Well, so I'm, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into life of an average athlete. So when you're playing intramural <laughs> basketball at Iowa State, Everyone wants to play two three zone because it's the freaking easiest thing to do. And also you don't have to wear yourself out. Everyone wants to play offensive basketball. So they're, yeah, I'm just going to chill on defense and play two, three zone. Cause it's easy. Do you know how many yes. people on my team didn't even play basketball and you just throw them there and, and they're fine
2: there it is that's that's my point like it it can't be this hard man and they're just like no this is how we play it and i go this is why you struggle this is why you called me and you need help i guess
1: how many olympic gold medals has uh united states won in a row it's 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 been a lot that's what i'm i
2: mean that's what i tell them i'm like man you 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 do you not understand like we we know basketball. I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, but when it comes to this two, three zone, it's really
1: not that hard. Like
2: it's really not. <laughs> if it's
1: if it's not broke, then don't fix it.
2: Oh man. I try to tell them, but you know what? One thing being over, you know, just playing basketball for so long and being everywhere, you know, common sense isn't common. <laughs> and it's one of those, one of those lines that I, I, it is 100% true. Like I have to sit back and, and tell a lot of people and tell myself like, Hey, it's not, it's really not, it's really not. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think one of my favorite phrases is always like the average, the think of the average person and then half the population is, you know, dumber than them. Like, so it's like, it's like, oh, it's man, like a, that kind of that's stuff. That's a good just one. Like, I like that. I'm going to start am I like that. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah like you that. can have it. It's always a great one to just kind of like, you know, put that perspective. Cause like it, it is like, I, like the common sense is not common. It's wild. You, you run into people who are like, you know, it, it seems so like obvious or blatant and then there's, they're not there and you're just like, okay, like I, this is what I got to deal with. Like, so. But also um, too,
2: you, when you're in a different country, you have to understand you're in a different country. This is what you may think is so bro. It, what a, it, this should be. No, it should not. They don't know. They it, just cause and that's the thing I learned being, you know, it's one of those phrases. If you get a guy that's played overseas for a while, they they start to say the same thing, you know, like they'll, they'll, they call us dumb Americans because we just assume that everything comes from America. Everything is American. Everything is, should be this way. You know what I mean? Um, an example not to just jump into, but, you know, because we're having a conversation. When I first played in Italy, I had a teammate and, you know, we're in Italy, the Mecca of pasta. Like everybody knows Italy and pasta. And my friend's like, yo, how do you not have chicken alfredo? Like that is like, come on, man. I'm like, <laughs> you're telling Italians, what kind of pasta they should have. I'm like, (laughs) yikes. And I'm like, and then it, it, it rings back like dumb Americans. Yeah. It makes sense. (laughs) Like who said chicken goes on Alfredo? Like we did. So he just assumes and I'm like, it doesn't work like that, man. They don't, they don't do it like that.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm terrified. I'm going um, to Italy for the first time for my honeymoon later or next fall. With uh my future wife, current fiance, whatever you want to say. And I'm I my biggest fear is first of all the communication barrier, but secondly, like when am I gonna look like an idiot? And that's probably Uh, gonna be many times a day.
2: All the time and and quickly. (laughs) You were just talking
1: (laughs) about chicken Alfredo, and I I was excited to have some chicken Alfredo in Italy. So (laughs) now now it's not even a thing.
2: (laughs) You can have Alfredo and your chicken to be on the side after you're done with your pasta. That's how they do it. (laughs) I'll <laughs> we'll
1: just mix it in together. I'll just I'll you know, make it my little American a little, made Italian. Just meal.
2: make make sure they don't see you. Make sure they don't see you. I'm telling <laughs> you, not disrespect them and their
1: pasta, man. <laughs> I, I've heard a big thing. Did, did, so they don't serve ice at restaurants. Is that true? Mm-mm. Okay.
2: Don't ask for ice. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask for ice because it's going to probably be tap water, and the tap's not that great. And don't do it. <laughs> it's right. like it's like asking. <laughs> it's not as bad, but it's like having ice in Mexico, like asking ice. You know what I mean? Like, don't you do it
1: well you also i mean yeah 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 okay thank you yeah, i'm I gonna played, have I to in Italy
2: for two years so i would hey, say i might have to
1: message you before we head over to Italy because i don't, hey, don't want to get free, caught man. with more egg on my face <laughs> all
0: you got to do is hit me up man i'm free Greg, <laughs> right. do you think you could be like a travel influencer at this point like just be able to like <laughs> anyone's like hey i need recommendations for um this spot in japan you just I, you can like yeah yeah gotcha oh, man like this 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 oh, this, yeah, this and you're just like multiple
2: countries actually i can yeah. definitely break it down in japan <laughs> especially i've been here five years now so i could definitely uh recommend some stuff and uh japan's a, it's, a, it's an amazing country man it's it's awesome i'm not probably gonna retire here not leaving oh really so, yeah, I love nice. yeah 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 it's, it's a big men's league so all i do is battle big men and that's that's my forte so
1: <laughs> so speaking of big men, so I meant to, I meant to ask about this. You're kind of in the, the transition phase of what I would say was when the game changed, you know, and mm-hmm. early two thousands was more of a bruiser's league, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, yeah. And then it kind of transitioned to more of like a, a shooter's league and Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And LeBron's one of those anomalies. I, I guess I'm obsessed with him because I'm talking about him a lot today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he transitioned to both and that's insanely hard to do. However, you were you were kind of in the middle of it where it, it, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It just didn't feel like it had quite the identity that it does now, and that it mm-hmm. did back in the 2000s. So, do you think if you lived in another reality where you played either in 2000 or in 2020 in the NBA, do you think you know the experience could have been a little bit different for you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, if I could have, if it could have happened, maybe three or four years later. Mm-hmm. I think I could have adjusted where I would have got a few more chances. You know what I mean? Um, When I, when I got drafted, they called it, they called guys like us a tweener and it was a such a negative okay. like thing. You know what I mean? Oh, he doesn't have a position. You know, it was almost like football, you know, football used to be positioned. Now you can go to the the combine and be an athlete.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? And that helps a lot of guys. And um. I think if I was a little earlier, like the you know, Marcus Pfizer era, there's I had no chance. They they were just too big, too, too on that, too strong. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I would have had to flip-flop my whole game. And I think if I would have been, you know, a little later in that 2013-14, I think I would have had a chance because you know, I, I watched a college game now, and you got these guys, you know, 20 points and eight rebounds and they go crazy. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, I averaged more than that on a daily. You know what I mean? Like I laugh at that, you know, these guys score 31 and they go, you know, the announcers are like, Oh my God, this guy. So, and I'm like, well, a friend of mine and old teammate, Jody Meek scored 50 against Tennessee in a game. You know what I mean? Like it it was levels to it when we were in college basketball, Blake Griffin, 35 and 23, like, come on now. Like Mm -hmm. these, they're not doing that now because it's such a finesse game. We were such a, Like we are just going to dominate and just keep on going. Michael Beasley, you know, these guys, Kevin Durant's when he played, you know, it it was just such a different level. And um, I just think that, you know, I I could say that, like obviously you said, in a whole nother world. Do I believe that? I I really do. But, you know, it, it taught me a lot. And I think I learned and became the person who I am today
0: because of what I went through. Love it. I think we're kind of seeing George Niang get to live that tweener, but like have the actual life because that was the same thing with George. It's like, is George going to like try and slim down and guard threes or something here? Or like, but he's way too small to like guard fours. He's going to get whatever. And we've seen like, I mean, he, his breakout like took a bit, like he, I mean, he was kind of fighting to get minutes and, and stay like kind of relevant on rosters. And like, he's flourished mm-hmm. now with the Sixers and it's been awesome to see but it's like a great point to that of like you know he had the tweener like you know tag as well it's like what's he gonna do how is he gonna adapt to it and we've just seen how the game's transform because all you need now is versatility you got to be able to you know guard get switched to a point guard and be able to hold your own and like but also like you know get down and like box out big men and, and just basically be able to do it all kind of thing and um you know you mentioned with football two footballs getting that as well like linebackers and stuff Mm -hmm. are becoming like it's like linebackers are getting targeted because like running backs and tight ends are getting so athletic that now it's like you have to be a linebacker but you have to be fast as hell and you have to be like basically like a hybrid safety and stuff and it's just like the evolution of how the game is being played and what coaches are taking advantage of it's it's really cool kind of thing about sport i guess but Oh yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's awesome to see those guys, you know, especially
2: like George, you know, George is actually, you know, we weren't teammates, but you know, it's, we talk, I think I just talked to George last summer and saw him. And so we, we try to stay in touch as much as possible. And he's such a, he's always been such a skilled guy, you know, even when he came a little bigger, he was just so skilled. And, you know, I always knew that he'd figure it out. It's just someone had to give him a chance. And, you know, that's, the, that's all it's about is if you can get a chance, cause let's say, he was on a team where a coach, you know, when you said he was fighting for minutes, say he was still on that team fighting for minutes, never got those minutes, never got a chance. He might be out. You know what I mean? Like we, we don't know that, but because he got that chance, I knew all you had to do was put him on the court. He's he's too, he's too skilled. He's too talented. He's always been like that since the first day I met him.
1: Well, Craig, this has been a lot of fun. I actually only have one more question. I don't know about you, Newt, but, um, not necessarily basketball-related, but mm-hmm. you skateboard. That's that's yep. new. <laughs> Do you still skateboard <laughs> in Japan, or did you just pick that up in California?
2: No, nah, I had to stop a while ago. As you get older, your knees get a little big. You get a little nervous. But uh, um, it was one of those things, you know, growing up in California, you just did what your friends did. And California was such a vibe, you know, going to Venice Beach and longboarding and skateboarding with friends and doing little tricks. Um, you know, it was to a point where – I was, I was really good. I was kick flipping and, and, you know, jumping up curves off curves and just, you know, just one of those things. It was one of my, it was one of those getting away from basketball things. And I think that's one thing that always, you know, kept me sane with basketball and everything I've been through is that basketball wasn't just the world to me. I had a lot of other things that I was into. And, uh, you know, that can just kind of get me away from, you know, the stress and and everything that I was going through. And man, you give me a long board in Venice beach in the summer i'm good i'm good to go
1: (laughs) you're so cali chill like i I think big cat says i don't know if you if you listen to part of my take but big cat always just says i'm so intimidated by those california kids that are just so freaking cool and i don't know why i'm so intimidated by them it was the most relatable thing i've ever heard i don't know why but i'm just like i'm so intimidated by them because i'm just i'm never gonna be as chill as them like listen to me i'm a spaz like (laughs) Something about nah, California, just, man.
2: We, we we're, we're introduced to so many different things. Like I was the kid that went to Iowa state. My first, you know, I, I got called out in class the first winter that happened because I went to class with a blanket and the teacher thought I wanted to sleep in class, but I was cold <laughs> and I didn't own a, a heavy coat. Like I, I, I didn't know what a North face was. I you know, I wore vans in the, in the winter. Cause that's what I did. Like I didn't own boots. I didn't know what none of that stuff was. I'm from, you know what I mean? Like I wore two hoodies and then a, and then a jacket underneath that, you know, I layered up. I didn't do big jackets. I didn't know
0: what that I mean, was.
1: I respect that more than those damn Minnesota kids who still like walk to class and t-shirts and shorts. And for all I care, I mean, yeah, that's a, in, in like that's January weather, life,
2: man, yeah, I've never, <laughs> psychotic. Was like, I didn't get that. Yeah. I didn't get that. Like when that winter came, you didn't see me much. Like I, I was in the house, like people came, my house became like the chill spot because if you wanted to hang out and see me, I didn't care who you were. Like, just come over. Like it's warm in here. You know, probably got some hot chocolate. Like come hang out. Like I'm not going outside. It's not happening. I barely, I barely wanted to go to practice. Like if it was a winter storm, I'm like, coach, my, my, my car is snowed in. I can't go. We'll come pick you up. I'm like, man, I don't want to go out here. (laughs) So (laughs) it was tough. I
1: want to, I want to backpedal again to skateboarding because I tried to pick it up when I was younger. I I got into Rob Deirdrex fantasy factory. I'm like, this looks like the coolest thing ever if you're good at it. And so for like, a solid two years. I tried to, I tried to do it. And, and I was, um, I was never, ever, ever going to pick it up in my entire life. I was so bad. and <laughs> I tried it for two straight years. Like what, what do you like most about it? Have you ever popped an Ollie? Have you, um, have you gone on a, on a, on a half pipe? Is that what it's called? I don't know anything about skateboarding. A
2: little bit. I, that that's where, that's where it kind of started stopping for me is the, the half pipes and hitting rails and those hurt when you fall. So it was one of those things like, ah, do I really want to do this? Am I really that dedicated? So it was more of just like the social thing. You know, you, when, when you, when you, you know, most kids rode bikes and we just skateboard to where we go, you know, it was a social thing. It was a, it was a, our transportation at the time and that's how I got good. It was, to jump on and off a curb, to do a trick, to impress a girl probably when I was younger. And that's really the extent of where it went. And I just stayed with it and brought my skateboard to Iowa State and would use it to get from one side of the campus to the other. And people freaked out.
1: (laughs) Is Is that whole stereotype of like, you know, skateboarding wherever you can, like outside the library, and cops are always trying to shut you down because you can't skateboard outside the skateboard park. Is that an actual thing, or is that just a thing in movies?
2: Oh, it's a natural. It's an actual thing, but it's the it's the skaters. I mean, it's tough. You know, like you said, you got guys that grab their board they have and they'll start skating in the airport and just rolling. It's like, come on, bro. Like you're asking for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but you know, then, then there's times where guys are just trying to get a little session in, trying to get some film, and it's almost like it's almost like street ball where if you see a court, you're just going to go hoop. Well, they see some stairs. They're going to jump it. Like it's not, it's not their fault. You know what I mean? I get it. You don't want this around. It looks like this, but what are they really doing? Are they hurting anybody? Are they messing anybody up? You know what I mean? It's, it's their playground. And people are trying to shut that down. There's not at the time, there weren't many parks around. So you got to understand, these are just street ballers looking for a court. If you put it in that perspective, it's these football players just trying to look for a field. You know what I mean? Like, that's all they were looking for. So, you know, I look at it both ways, but it's just one of those things, man, those guys are out there, you know, just like I said, practicing, just want to make it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you can break your skateboard. You're not probably breaking like a railing. I don't know. Can't break a stair.
2: You can't break. I mean, you you know, I get it. If it's a shopping mall, you don't want the board to slip and hit somebody, but they're real respectful. If you see it, they don't, bother nobody they're in their own world like you know people are walking by they wait for people you know what i mean they're just like i said it's it's about power don't be here i said no like that's why and they're just like man like we're not hurting nobody
1: damn i I think the most i was ever able to do and then i'll get off my skateboarding soapbox um (laughs) i did that one thing where you put um the skateboard on top of your feet and then oh, you yeah, jump you it over and land on and it. And then you land on the skateboard. I oh, thought that yeah. was the coolest thing ever. And I did it all the time. And that was the only thing I could do on a skateboard.
2: <laughs> you want to know what's funny? There's a lot of simple things like that, that I can't do. So like, I can't spin the ball on my finger. Never could. <laughs>
1: Oh, I mean, me too, but <laughs> but I mean you
2: you know it's funny? Everyone tells me to do it. It's like one of those tricks. It's like one of those things that they assume every basketball player should do. And I think it's like it no, it's not one of those things every basketball player could do because I never was able to do it and I hate it. <laughs>
0: New, can you do that? Yeah, like not for long. I mean, there's obviously the people who oh, can like brag, control, it, oh, a shit ton, but like
2: not for long. I can, Half I can a get it going That's a little guy. bit. Half a second. That's all I get. And Once it starts spinning, I get so excited and I try to smack it and I smack the ball somewhere. And it's just not it's not a trick that basketball players do. It's not. I'm impressed by anybody that can do it.
0: Um, I just wanted to say I was a big NBA 2K kid growing up. Like I, I mm-hmm. played with my friends. I went to like midnight premieres when it came out and stuff. We'd oh, yeah. Do that. And like miss a couple periods the next morning and stuff. Um so I, I played with you a ton in 2K11, um, I believe, when you were mm-hmm. on the 76ers, ran my offense through, like, everything. I was like, yeah, we're, we're, run- like, we're going to ride Craig Brackens to the championship here. <laughs> like, how cool is it? Like, I don't know if you're, like, a big video game guy, but, like, how cool is yeah. it to see yourself in a video game? Like, that's just got to be such an awesome feeling. It was. It was one of the best, like, drafted, being in multiple 2Ks,
2: you know, I was in the I was in the college game that they had. They used to have back in the day. Oh, I you got in the March did. Madness. Oh, I was in the March. I was Damn. unstoppable in March Madness. That was the coolest. I'm thing, sure. Honestly. Yeah, that's a, that <laughs> was the last year they did. It was 08. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they had me. They all oh, they had me. It was ridiculous. I almost complained like, bro, this is just y'all. Y'all are making me like feel too much. But uh, the college <laughs> one was super cool. Then they get to the NBA. That one was cool. And then uh, I ended up going EuroLeague. So then I still was in the last like couple two Ks, like pushing it, even though I wasn't in the NBA. I was in the EuroLeague. So that was fun, too. I actually had a better rating in EuroLeague than I did in the NBA. So that was fun. So I was <laughs> a little better. But uh, super cool, man. It's a dream. But uh, I get why people get mad at their ratings, because, you know, you know what you can do. So you feel some type of way. You know, like you said, you played it and you like, hey, I got Craig. Like, we're going to run the championship. Oh, I critique myself. I missed a shot. I'm like, bro, that's my shot. Like, how I missed. Like, this dude's terrible. <laughs> like, you know, they had me as a rebounder. I'm like, bro, i don't even rebound. Like, who, who does this stuff? Like, who's, who, who, who created me on this game? You know what I mean? So, it, it was fun, man. It, it was super cool. Like, um, you know, obviously, you want to be the coolest guy and you want to be like, you know, ranked 99 on the game. But, you know, the, you got to have some realistic things on that game. Like, hey, I, I'm probably not good you know, and then like in this game, like as the rating. So it's going to be a little tougher to score and you know what I mean? So super cool though. Like it, it, it was one of those things that they can't take from me. It's one of those things I could tell my kids growing up, like, Hey, they'll probably think it's like an Atari or something, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah. but when he grows
0: up. So like dad we don't want to play this shit like i'll be like hey this is fun man you don't get it
1: (laughs) dude zuckerberg is probably going to create an avatar for every single athlete that ever existed and put it in the metaverse for virtual reality that would actually be kind of cool that'd be
2: super cool yeah that's also like the world where robots are
1: taking over it's kind of scary at the same time
2: i'm more cool with the metaverse than i am with robots (laughs) okay me too i don't know why Because iRobot possibly is what scared me. Love that movie, but kind of makes me movie. nervous. But then, like, but then like Ready Player One is like the dopest movie. So it's like, oh my uh, god, I'm ready for that. You know what I'm I mean? I'm so
1: glad you brought that up. Ready Player One is such a like fun adventure. I think every single person that watched that, it's, they're like, hopefully the Oasis comes to life, and hopefully, I don't know, I, I don't know if I trust Zuckerberg, but if he can turn an Oasis into reality, then okay, I'm a Zuckerberg fan.
2: Make it happen. I'm with it. That was that was super cool that that movie had mm-hmm. me because i mean it was for everybody they had halo they had mario they had back to the future i mean didn't matter what era you had, came like, from you donkey felt, kong you felt or it. King, yeah, kong. That's what, king kong yeah. like you you felt it like you you everyone at some point watching that was like oh did you see like you know it, every era was in there and it was that's that's what it came down to now nah, it's it's getting crazy, man. This this metaverse talking NFTs, and you know I'm getting into all that stuff too with crypto and everything. It's this world is it's getting there, man. It, it's okay, crazy. so
1: so sell me on NFTs. I don't I don't mean oh, to drag oh this interview God. out for another two <laughs> oh hours, God. but like, what that is it? Does it stand for not for trade? I don't even know what it stands for. I just know yeah, that it's it's something I mean, you get online, and you can't. It's not even tangible, right? right? It's an, it's a completely intangible product that is like essentially worth a lot of money online.
2: So it's one of those things. Like, let me see. That's the easiest way to break it down because I got it broken down to me so many times, and I I get it. But to explain it is so hard because I don't know. You know, everyone it, it, to explain it to everybody, you can be in a room and everyone's gonna take it different. So it's one of those things where, say, basically it's you obviously you know it's not it's not real. Like it's not something I can hand you. So yeah. you're owning something that will get traded that you own royalties too. So the more time it gets sold, you don't own it, but every time it gets sold, you get some, some money for it. You get what I'm saying? So say I had a, say I had an Iowa state something, you know what I mean? And I have, you know, 30,000 of them and I own all 30,000 of them. Well, Iowa state fans are going to buy them. So once you have it, you bought it. I get 10% 10% of that. And then someone buys it off of you, you sell it. I get 10% off of that. And it keeps on going and keeps on going and keeps on going. So to own these things, you want them out there getting bought, traded, sold. Cause you're just going to take in the royalties basically.
1: So the is simplest it...
2: breakdown I can give, I guess, in a way. <sighs>
0: okay. Kind of like a trademark, I, I my... you know, like, and then using a trademark, like, like people license your, your yeah,
2: ba- like, like that. But then it's yeah. like, but you created it, but yeah, don't necessarily own it because you want it to be sold you want it to be out there you want people to buy it yeah uh, it's yeah it's it, it, trust me i'm still learning and i'm still trying to figure because i don't i don't i don't have any nfts so i'm not going to spend money on something i i really don't know i get it but still trying to figure it out it's it's tough man it's not easy i know you can make money off of it i know it's going to get good i actually want to create my own nft something to do with basketball but I'm not that creative, but I am, but I'm not. So, (laughs) so just try to, I'm one of those guys.
1: Yeah. I'm one of those guys who just word vomits ideas where 19 out of 20 of them are really bad ideas, but the 20th, you're like, Oh, we actually might have something there. So I'm going to do some research on some NFTs. I'm going to send you 20 proposals and, and maybe we'll get something cool out of there. Um, I but so. before that, I, I, so. I got to figure out what the hell an NFT is. So
2: <laughs> man, same here. I mean, I tried. That's, that's, that's the part that it, like intrigued me. And I know I'm not even close to what it really is, but that was enough for me to be like, Oh, I'm interested. Okay. Let me, let me learn about it. You know what I mean? Like, that, that was enough for me because I get I get that part. So you want so some people hold on to them. But then some people they tell me, no, you want them to get out like you want to sell them, but then you hold on to it for the hype. And I'm like, wait, so when do you get rid of them? They're like, I, I can't tell you that. I'm like, oh, you know what? All right, I'm done. <laughs> like, it's just too much. That's, like, that's your you decision know? to make. Right. But then these guys, oh, I made, you know, uh, $50,000 in, in, in two and a half hours on the NFT. And I'm like, how? Like, I thought you're supposed to hold on to it. Like, wait, <laughs> how? Like... <laughs>
1: Uh, Every single interview we have, toward the end of it, we we talk about something that was just not planned. So I think on our next interview, we're going to have to cover Bitcoin, if that's cool with you. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll we'll spend another hour doing that.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun.
2: (laughs) I own Bitcoin, too. I have. Yeah, yeah. Crypto is something I, I know a little more about. So <laughs> I,
1: I need to learn a lot from you. I need to learn about, you know, just food overseas. I need to learn about NFTs, cryptocurrency, all that stuff. But um, oh, I but got you. Craig, I got you. Dude, we appreciate you giving us the time, man. And, um, you know, before we let you go, we just want to know, first of all, is there any way we could watch your games? And secondly, you know, what else have you been working on? Is there anything else that, you know, makes Craig Brackens, Craig Brackens, you know, we just, we want to give you the floor if there's anything you want to yeah. talk about
2: um i mean uh, as far as wait what you saying first i so lost it right
1: there <laughs> I, I am curious is there any way we could watch um any oh, other games over here yeah
2: in japan man they they don't it's it's such a you have to you have to like have a, a a code and then you have the VPN like Japan is so they do everything so like in Japan so it's it's mm-hmm. it's very hard I know I can probably post some stuff I'm gonna start trying to post some stuff either on Facebook or Instagram probably because I don't really do Facebook like that but I'm gonna try to post some stuff um more highlights I gotta get more interactive with my Instagram I'm definitely not a social media guy like that where I'm posting a bunch of highlights I hate that stuff but um as far as just that for people to see i know i got to do it more because people ask all the time and just for people to still see because you know i don't know how much more i got in me to to keep playing um how many more years i got left so it's one of those things where i need to but as just far as simple as just to go online and look it's not that easy to see it in japan i don't know why they're just so locked down for some reason it's just how they are and how they maneuver um i can barely watch games being in the country because i have to have like their phone or their um you know I got my phone from the states that work out here but if you you need their service to watch it on your mobile phone so I only can watch it on my laptop it's so such a headache cuz I get that question asked all the time and uh I mean as far as me man you know just still I'm on I'm on year 13 right now so still doing it um uh been out here in Japan for the last 5 years love it um uh, my team is fighting for number 1 so we're one of the top teams I lead the league in assists, which is actually hilarious. Um, Love
1: that. Love that. (laughs) That's so awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So that's one of those things I tell people, and all my friends are (laughs) laughing at me about it because they're like, no way. But uh, (laughs) they all want me to score. But um, no, man, it's just, you know, my family. Um, I have my two sons, Carson and Cameron Brackens, Um, five and two. They're monsters, Um, huge guys. I think my five year old is four, three already. (laughs) Oh my gosh. uh, Yeah. He's such a good guy. He wears a, my, uh, my wife, she went to Arizona state. So he wears like Arizona state stuff. It looks like Iowa state. And I get excited until I see ASU and I'm like, no wrong school. So (laughs) we we got him loving Iowa state. Um, My youngest, my two year old loves basketball, anything basketball. He's just obsessed. So hopefully they like it. I really don't care if they play, you know, I'm never going to force them. Um, But other than that, man, I just dabble in a bunch of little stuff. Um, Been thinking about coaching after basketball and you know, um, I'm actually going to uh, finish my last year at Iowa State and graduate. So um I'm gonna start those classes probably next semester, hopefully. If not, then it'll start in the summer. Um, so that's gonna happen. And uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, jumping into coaching. I would love to, you know, there's been not like real talk, so I don't want to throw it out there so it can get like people take it, you know, for what like way from what it is, but Definitely, Mm -hmm. um, you know, been in the talks of thinking of maybe coaching, you know, college basketball if I can get in. Um, I've talked to McDermott and I've talked to, you know, TJ just laughing about it. But I think I want to try to get serious with it. Um, It won't be for another two years. I still got two years on my contract. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's something I've been thinking about because that's the type of player that I am right now. Like I I got guys, you know, young guys on the team now and I feel like all I do is coach them. You know, just give advice. Yeah. I'm that I'm that old head, I'm the OG. Now, so <laughs> the, <laughs> so uh, the
1: wisdom of the group. I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man. And uh, that's it, man. On oh, another note too, you know, um, it's funny. Uh I know we didn't talk about it or nothing, but I had to bring it up for you know, fans listen. Um, Chris Babb <laughs> is actually like one of my best friends, uh in, in through basketball. We never played basketball with each other at Iowa State. No way. Yeah. Like me and like, he lives in Arizona now. He just moved there. And when I yeah. say like, we are like close, like that's like my brother, like we, and people like, Oh, how many years did y'all play together? I was like, i never played with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, he came he to my draft party. actually. Babb. Oh, he's the man. He's, he's the man. Yeah. Well, he, he, so the, the year I got drafted was the year he was sitting out and, uh, I just invited him over. And from that day and that night, we just hung out and you would have thought, you know, we were, you know, four years you know me and me and Beyonce garrett are still cool like i i can't knock you know actual teammates i played with but to to what's funny is that people think me and bab are like like we played together like we were roommates <laughs> uh,
1: honestly if you told me that you were best friends with chris bab i would immediately think that you guys are on the same you know same yeah. squad together but uh nope. that's cool
2: yeah, yeah, he, he so was just a, just a
1: defensive defensive guru and just shot lights out. Loved watching him play. Still is.
2: Trying to get him to Japan. Trying to get him on my team to Japan next year, actually. So, hopefully. Hell yeah.
1: Works. Yeah. Well, so... Craig, dude, thank you so much again for doing this. Um, best of luck the rest of the season. I I want you to hold that that assist leader for the for the rest of the season. Tryin', you can man. do that for me. I'm so excited <laughs> about
2: it. Trying every game <laughs> I, that's all I look at. I don't care how many points I got, rebounds. I'm like, how many assists? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, I gotta get more. Yeah, it's so funny. It's just a new, it's a new new thing for me.
1: <laughs> it's not easy to be number one. So if you're number one in something, you gotta try and maintain it, you know. I'm the only mm. big man on the list like there's it,
2: that's what makes it tough is that because i'm a big man like the, it's always the, the you know the little guards that are doing it so, yeah I, it's hard it's very hard trust me i'm trying like it, every <laughs> game if i get you know i i was like six and a half seven i think it's seven and like i had like we just played yesterday we played again today and i had four and i was like how did i have four and i'm like how do i get more and i'm like ah oh, this is getting tough so it's fun it's a new challenge for me it's fun
1: i love that man that's so yeah. cool well hey Wish your family the best from us. And, um, yeah, well, if, if we can set this up, I know you're in Japan so hard to schedule, but I would love to talk with you again soon because Anytime, I feel like man. we can just talk for hours, man. And, and for sure. More about no, you guys are great. Love it, man. Well, you guys thank you again awesome. so much. I
2: appreciate it. Dude,
1: we you again, appreciate it. And, and one thing we do before we let you go is, um, we just give our listeners a solid Roll Clones. It's just something that we do. So whenever we end our episodes, we just, you know, say Roll Clones. So, Craig, thank you again so much, man. And Roll Clones.
2: Roll Clones. Appreciate it.
1: Appreciate roll it, Roll Clones,
2: man. Baby.